Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer, mostly in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward. Kick It Forward is a positive disruptor to the Iowa soccer community. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Insurance Services and Michael Keener, Attorney at Law. You need legal help? You need insurance help? Those are the two to contact. That's right. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa Soccer supporters. I'm Ben Brackett here at Soccer Talk with my good buddy and co-host Blake Sieber. Siebs, what's up, dude? Ben, another good pod I think we have uh, coming up, so I'm, I'm good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm, del- I'm just I'm really good. I was going to say delightful, but I don't know if that, that seems a little aggressive. Uh, uh what a fun pod today. I got a little emotional, didn't I, Seebs? No, it was good. It was, uh, I would say it's like one of the most impactful pods we've had. Actually, arguably the most. Yeah, so Jack Simons from the Lincoln High School Soccer uh, Boys Program joined us today. Uh, Jack's a, I mean, he's just basically a badass. He is, uh, he has bought it all into that program and uh, loves those guys and loves those players. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just love talking to him and it gets me all fired up because I, I, as much as I don't miss coaching, I do. Uh, and I coach with a lot of the same players that he coached. So hearing about some of those guys got me a little choked up. That's right. It, you guys, I mean, he cares um, and you care. So it is, uh, like I said, it's a, uh, it was for me as a listener, kind of like you guys knew a lot of, like you said, a lot of the same players kind of, I was sitting back uh, for a little bit and it was, it was, it was good to listen to and hopefully open some eyes and ears for, for our listeners. And certainly not about me, definitely about the Lincoln boys and, and uh, you know, sort of like in the secondary there, Jack as well, but mostly about the guys and, and you know, he was just talking about the challenges that they dealt with and, uh, the different things that is this not on? That's on. Seeds of all the things. Okay, Jack Simons, welcome to the pod. How are you doing today? All right, guys. Thank you for having me at no, all. No, we're it's excited to have nice. you here. It's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm sure you've listened to the pod before, right? Yeah, and especially, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll admit, I've fallen off, lapsed for the last like nine months weird number right <laughs> yeah yeah uh but then uh just knowing i was coming in here uh but i also saw your last two pods with uh justin borster and you had jack on before that and those are two guys that I actually know and i don't know a ton of people in the iowa soccer scene still uh so listen to those whole things really enjoyed it gave me some things to think about and talk about well, I wonder if he picked up on any themes. I know. For, well, for one, uh, he came empty-handed, Ben. Oh. Although. He did. Well, he knew he came in. He did. He did. Again, we're, we'll be checking our mailbox just uh, just like we are for for Jack and John and then Justin as well. Uh, so, I guess the first question we always ask is, is this the first pod you've ever been on? It is, yeah. Yeah. Welcome. I have not had occasion. <laughs> I'm thrilled. I well, can tell. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so, you know, you mentioned just not knowing a lot of, of people in Iowa soccer, uh, which has a lot to do with just your, you know, sort of, I, I'm guessing sort of your story and where, what, what brought you to Des Moines. Um, and, you know, you've been coaching with the Lincoln program now. I, I couldn't tell you how many years, but I'm guessing it's uh, six. Okay, I was going to say seven or eight, but so I've, you know, you don't have any gray hairs yet, know, though, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, I can't believe you came just to coach Lincoln, but uh, tell us a little bit about your story, uh, how you grew up playing in the game, um, all that good stuff. Yeah, I, and I think in the end, I might be able to conclude that I did come just to coach Lincoln. Um, I love that. We'll see if it ends that way. Yeah, I, I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, all my life. Started playing park and rec soccer, age five or whatever. Got into club a little late. Um, and maybe my club experience is something we'll talk about in general. Hit on some things he talked about in the last couple shows. Um, didn't have a good club experience. Mid-90s, Southern Colorado. I don't know how old are you, Zach? I'm 37. Okay, so you're in 83? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're 84s. Okay. He's the elder statesman of the pod. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, you don't get to be the oldest very <laughs> So I bet we have some similar experiences. Um, I It wasn't a necessarily a negative club experience. I felt uh, that for the most part, it was all just so new to that region and to much of the country. You're playing for dads. You're playing for nice people as your coaches. Um, but I bounced in and out of club teams because I was just unhappy. I, I wanted to have fun, and I wasn't necessarily having fun. Started to really have fun playing the game as a high school soccer player. Um, Coronado High School, Colorado Springs, right next to Garden of Gods. Uh, had a ball there and played for a wrestling coach from Nebraska who he wouldn't tell you he knew a ton about soccer, but just drove us so hard. and. Uh, I loved playing for him. Probably still my actual favorite coach, just because he uh, pushed us the way you push wrestlers, which is to make them puke or <laughs> almost puke. Um, so from there, I went to Colorado College in Colorado Springs, which is a really good D3 program. Um, play a lot of the schools around here. We played Warburg, we played Central, we played Simpson. Over the years, play everybody. It's a, it's a pretty unique academic school too, right? It is, yeah. So it's on the block system, just like Cornell, uh, which I loved as a humanities student, English major, film major. Uh, so that's like what you, you take like a month or six yeah. weeks of like really intense one course at a time? One class at a time for three and a half weeks. Okay. Uh, at most, you take it a double block for seven weeks. And so, yeah, like as a as a literature student you're asked to read a whole novel every night things like that you know, like be here tomorrow so in three and a half weeks you're reading 30 books potentially and just crazy then if you take an easy class which i took a couple oh my god <laughs> Is it, it's a joke i mean yeah so, some of them. it's eight blocks and most kids plan their academic calendar to have a real pre-k class eight blocks so they can just go to the mountains a lot. I was going to say, what, I, I guess it's winter, gorgeous, winter right? time, you're probably, guess people sneaking out to the mountains a lot. Yeah, and that, you know, as I, I'll talk a little bit about the team. Uh, for that reason, 
its location. Um, people come from all over the country and all over the world to go to CC, to go to Colorado College. Um, yeah, I had friends who only, it seemed like they only went there because they had condos in the mountains. That, and these are people on the East Coast, West Coast. That, yeah that much money it's like good friends to have yeah yeah and good people too i mean one of my uh one of my dear dear friends is from des moines and he was one of my college roommates and i'd say is a reason i ended up coming here ultimately but we can name, name drop for us oh uh, his name's cooper hubble he's of the hubble family sure and he's an absolute sweetheart and has been a huge help to our program as and he's introduced me to so many good people here as well just wonderful family is he here too? Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. That must be fun to have. I, I don't have any uh, any college friends or college teammates that are close. Uh, we have friends, obviously, but uh, th that's one of those things I always kind of like I miss a little bit. Yeah, and I still miss it here also. Like, he's got three kids all under six, and I got two under five. And so we love each other from, <laughs> from afar. <laughs> but we're, we, we sure don't see each other much. But God, I, I love that dude. And I really, I mean it, he'll hear this, and I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Cooper. I had come here in college uh, on my way to the Midwest uh, one summer, and or to the Midwest, to Michigan. And I'd stopped to see him and his dad for a couple of nights and just a couple of wild nights when we were 20, 21. Sold me on Des Moines enough uh, that ultimately, well, I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. How did you actually get here? What, how did, so you went to college? All right, so I go to Colorado CC, College. Went to Colorado College. Amazing players. And they, well, it's one of those D3 programs where, and this is an interesting thing about the soccer world where you get just absolute great players at every level it just isn't like that to me for d3 basketball for example i could play d3 basketball I, I felt pretty strongly but i could not and i could play with d1 soccer players i also I was gonna say the quality of uh, difference between d3 and d1 or nai yeah. or d2 whatever it is you know there are certainly some players that like there's a reason they're playing yeah. one, one or the other maybe yeah. they're really really good or really not that good but the difference overall is not significant. No. Whereas, if I put me on a basketball court with D1 basketball players, it'd be hilarious. Man. Yeah. Well, they'd be dunking on you. <laughs> yeah, That's the difference. Soccer is the great equalizer. So size. many issues. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I played with some wonderful players from all over the place. Um, but I'll tell you also, I had an extremely troubled time in college. Uh, had had a very rough last year of high school various reasons, very real reasons, out of my control. And then I got to college and I was 18, not far from home, but far enough from home to really start to slip and forget about a lot of things. Forgot about the game, forgot about a lot of relationships, things like that. I won't uh, belabor it, but I'll tell you that those four years were pretty dissatisfying from a soccer standpoint and, and just from an overall emotional standpoint, I was just going through a lot. And at that age, when you're in it, you can't really see out of it. You just kind of keep going. And I kept going. I survived. <laughs> and, uh, how good, were, can I jump, how good were you guys? Uh, so we had the national player of the year, my, my first senior year, I did a super senior year for 
mostly for the reasons I stated. Uh, uh, but I had a lot of injuries as well. What position did you play? Persist. Right wing primarily. Really felt you could put me anywhere. Um, just a really scrappy player. I, I could see that for sure. Oh, yeah. Just on your attitude yeah, alone, I, I no. feel like you love a scrap. I love a scrap. And I love to run. Um, could always just run entire games. And I can't play anymore. My I was going to say, do you lace them up anymore? My knee's just shot. It's, I'm going to need a third, third surgery. That'll be the final one here soon just to get me into retirement. Uh, but, yeah, no, we were, we were really good. Each year we're going – 19 and three records like that. And then flaming out in the playoffs. And part of the problem with Colorado college is it's an independent. So you're not coming out of a conference. Well, you weren't back then. I guess they've joined the, if you know, Trinity university in Texas, they've joined that conference. So now it's harder to get an automatic bid because of Trinity. But uh, back then it was also really hard. You had to be chosen as an independent. And I don't know. Just a lot of issues within that team. Guys I loved, but God, everybody loved to party more than more than anything. Yeah, it's a real I, identity. I think that, uh, and I might be wrong, but I think that back in the, the late '90s, early 2000s, uh, college soccer culture was a little bit more. I mean, you know, like it was. There were a lot of part. There was a lot of partying going on. I think. I don't. And I might be wrong about that, but it, is we, it? We like we like to have a good time. Yeah, and do you think it's because? Social media now, where you can get in a little more trouble nowadays than you. Trouble. Yeah, that's true. Than you could back then. I don't that's know. It's a number of factors. I, I just. I you mean, know, if for, you think about like two thousand three, two thousand four was when Arsenal went was the were the Invincibles, and that was like Arsene Wenger was like, let's you know, let's be, let's not drink, let's have good diets. Like, mm-hmm. so it started that. I think that was like when it started, and that was when we were just kind of finishing up. But, I mean, that we had a forty-eight hour rule, which. It was a good rule, I think, but people definitely went all the way up to the I think the that threshold. Was our, our rule too, but I couldn't even. Tell Rules you. are made to be broken. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I will say also that looking back at you know and all the, all my teammates who would hear this, who I really love, would uh, the, I, I think they would agree, and they, they definitely know this about me. Like if I could redo it, I would. I and and that informs. Uh, really my whole attitude, but especially towards soccer, is once I got done with it, I'm realizing, oh, well, that was that. You know, when else will I get to play soccer every single day, have trainers looking after me, you know, have multiple fields and be, you know, that's, loved on campus. That's kind of uh, guided, though, how you approach stuff now, right? As far as, like, I mean, that experience um, ultimately – shapes who you are and what you believe and whatnot now yeah no i think it has to so we'll get to the, the next chapter I, i'm really thankful for my time at, at cc um wonderful place incredible education i should add that my dad taught there for 45 years or something he taught english and film there uh and i just was back visiting them a couple of weeks ago so you mentioned you're an english guy too <laughs> yeah so you guys probably have some lively discussion over dinner i would guess all we talk about is movies. Citizen and- Kane. Do you remember that scene in the 32nd minute when it, that camera zoomed out? Oh, he writes books about film. And I'm, I'm, it sounds like he knows I, I took one like intro to cinema class or something yeah. like that. And uh, 
I mean, I remember just some of the some of the things in that. Yeah, my one film class was celluloid Jesus, Jesus in film. Interesting. Yeah, wow. We like watched The Matrix. It was great. Okay. Yeah, because you could take that uh, in a million different ways. Christ figures in mm -hmm. film. Oh my God. Listen, we Sign just got. <laughs> we can. We'll talk about the plot later. We just talk about movies. Sure. That'll be good. Sure. So CC, I, I got done at CC. I did do a super senior year, which um, only afforded me like seven games or something after I uh, ruined my toe. Actually, I had a horrible turf toe, but I played those last seven games and it was the first time I played like with a totally clear head and I knew who I was and it was amazing. I scored a couple great goals and got to finish it out right. Um, while I was a senior at CC, I met this guy named Alec Rico who had played at CC years before me and he'd started an organization in New Mexico uh, building soccer programs on Native, uh, American Indian Native American reservations. Uh, so I kind of just followed my heart down there after I graduated and worked for him, which really uh, endears me to kick it forward. Having been on the other side, having worked daily for a soccer nonprofit, um, that was an amazing experience. New Mexico is so beautiful and the people were wonderful. And while I was down there in Albuquerque, I uh, worked for, I also worked for the Albuquerque Journal covering primarily soccer, or high school soccer. That's pretty cool. High school basketball. What's, so there's a New Mexico team in the USL something uh, yes, championships. Were. Maybe are they, were they around back when you were down mm -hmm. there? Okay. They weren't. But that was God. back when New Mexico, like university or whatever. They were University awesome. of New Mexico, that's when they were like Final Four. Yeah. And like, yeah that's really where, remember, that's where the old Banditos yeah. were. Like, Seriously, that's like one of my, sure. that's like yeah, my, you remember, okay. This is like my best recruiting story. <laughs> I got a handwritten letter from them, and they, I was like, oh, let me like check this out. They went 0 and 18 that year, and I oh. was like, no way. And by the time I'm a sophomore, we're sitting there watching them in the cotton, college cup, and we're sitting at home. I'm just like, mm, yeah, they were really impressive. I don't know that I would have played. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. They, I mean, they folded their program within the last last two, three years. Okay, they were getting like seven thousand people to games and stuff too. Like, yeah, was, those games were great fun. They had an actual venue for them. It was it was really cool. Sorry, so you're uh, writing for the Albuquerque Journal? Yeah. So just soccer. Everything was soccer. Writing about soccer and uh, working, you know, coaching soccer in the afternoons, running these clinics, and doing administrative stuff. Uh, in the mornings and when my two years were up down there I had to decide what's next and, um, working with kids as much as I did while I was in New Mexico coaching a couple of teams and creating tournaments uh, that's like when it, it sealed it for me that kind of what I wanted to do is work with kids maybe through soccer definitely just work with kids daily um, not right about them, I guess would be my point that I decided that journalism, I thought I wanted to be a sports journalist and I was tired of writing about people. I wanted to just be doing this stuff. So went back to school to be a teacher, started coaching at my old high school. I have to quick make an interjection. Some people say that writers are basically like signing up to give themselves homework for the rest of their lives. So he decided to be a teacher so he could assign homework <laughs> for the rest of his life. There you go. And I love to write also, but... I don't like being told what to write. Yeah, and fair. so, God bless softball, but as soon as they told me to go cover a softball game, I quit. <laughs> so, 
So like, I can't pretend <laughs> to even know what's going on out there. Um, yeah. No, so I just want to <laughs> point know, take. Yeah. No, it's true. I really <laughs> a deadline. Like, yeah, you have to get this in yeah. by. Yeah. And really, what I wanted, and the, like really philosophically, I knew I just wanted control of my space and control of uh, my days, sort of. And I, I, maybe a lot of teachers don't think of it that way, but I, I really do. You shut the door or leave me out on the field with some kids. Like, that's our world, and we can get a lot done or not a lot done, but um, almost always meaningful. So I became a teacher, started coaching at my old high school, then took over the program at the school I was teaching at. Simultaneously was coaching for Pikes Peak Rush, which is part of Colorado Rush. That was all great. Um, and then I got laid off and uh, needed a job and needed a change. Just and you're 21 right change. now at this point. 27 sure about 27 so back in my hometown feeling just a little bit in a rut Um, weird time in your 20s yeah because i'm looking at my friends who are starting to settle down i'm looking at my other friends who are still way too wild i don't didn't feel that i belonged in either camp and i concluded that i'm gonna get out of here and sort of limit my distractions figure some things out if possible and my one of my assistant principals in Colorado Springs took the job at Lincoln as the principal. Lincoln, Paul Williamson is his name. Good guy, good friend. Uh, and he just asked me if I wanted to come. I don't know that he thought I would say yes. Um, and people tend to be shocked here when I tell them I moved here from there for just the reasons that you would expect the sun. The mountains. Um, <laughs> and that's all real. The sun. <laughs> that's like the first. Yeah. yeah. Sun, uh, it's sunny every day. Oh, my God. At least 300 days. Um, yeah. But I said yes. And uh, I'm glad I did. I, I will tell you, I initially came out here. I thought I wanted to be a college coach. Because um, I just felt like I was a good coach. And that I could climb those ranks if I did so deliberately. There's also no small colleges other than Colorado College in pretty much the whole mountain time zone. So I knew from many road trips that there's tons of small colleges out here. So I thought, at the least, get myself out there, get on with the college program, see where it takes me, whatever. Uh, But then I took over at Lincoln, and that happened pretty quickly. Um, I think it was my third year at Lincoln that I took the boys' varsity over. I was... Who would you assist? Scott Bowe, who was the girls coach for the last few years uh, prior to this last year. And he's the new coach at North Polk and the girls coach at North Polk, which sounds like a great job to me. So we know uh, the, the boys coach, Josh right. Birchmeyer, they, uh, but. Is that a new new program out there? No, they were, we went to, uh, oh, that's remember they were the yeah, yeah, number yeah, one yeah. seed there. Yeah, Last high school tournament, so two years ago, sure, that was held, and they, they, uh, yeah, the number one seed, they went down. They, they called they Blake lost. the elephant because he doesn't forget anything. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. Because uh, <laughs> I'm always like, uh, sure. Um, well, let me let me say, like Scott is a wonderful guy. I still think of him as like the godfather of our program because he had my program, the boys' program, for like 20 years prior to me. And did he uh, teach there as well? 
yeah, he taught science. We ultimately taught right next door to each other. It was, it was just wonderful. It was great fun to have all of our kids right there and he could just like bang on the wall and hear him. And a dear friend of mine, he was the officiant at my wedding. Father, right. sweet Father Scott yes. is what I would call him. <laughs> Godfather. Well, no, he's the officiant. I, I've been an oh, officiant. Okay. You, you, oh, you are oh, called Father Padre. when you are an officiant. <laughs> I'm bad, I'm bad. Yeah. So, Scott, I, and there's it, it a little story to it. I just, I straight up asked him if I could have his program. Ultimately, I, I felt so strongly about it. It was only the second time I've ever done that. I did that in New Mexico once also, where I was just like, God, I gotta have this team. Um, and to some guys that would be a lot to just like, dude, can I have your whole team? <laughs> this thing you've been working on for 20 years. But in the moment, it, I think it made sense and I, I felt that it made sense to him and he was super gracious and him being able to slide over to the girls also is like so natural. And that was a great way to start as just, I didn't feel like I was starting from scratch. I, I could see all that was there and, and I was ready to, to get to work on it. So I took the job at Lincoln really expecting not a lot, not a ton. Like um, knowing where the program's history had been, I, I wanted to improve it, um, but I didn't necessarily expect us to do some of the things we've done over the past five years or so that I uh, credit the players above all with. But, really proud of for the whole program um well it's a couple of local uh you know high school soccer players i know that back in like the late 90s and early 2000s you would never have been talking about lincoln in the sure uh sub-state final and you know you wouldn't be talking about how big of a travesty it was that in the past five years they haven't been in the state tournament uh and that's a testament to you i mean obviously the players too but i mean that's we always looked forward to playing I, I didn't. I, I was. I didn't get to play in those games. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Mr. Big Time, Mr. Big Time Gatorade Player of the Year. Well, Johnson used to run those scores up in those games. So we didn't, yeah, I mean that wasn't as big of a deal for yeah. Valley. And like I said, I'm sure you. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, back in the day, just Lincoln just didn't have. I mean, I'm sure the numbers are part of it too. And uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I kind of like where this is going though, right now, as far as where you're. Um, so you you take over. And you said you've been there about seven years. Yeah. It's weird that I can't just tell you the COVID thing, losing a season has uh, thrown my math. That's what I mean. And like, sure. that's why I was like, you lost, sure. there was no state tournament last 19. year. Correct. That would have been the 2000. No, there's no state 20. tournament in 2020. Say so again, there we go. Right there. See? So you've been there around seven, eight years, six, seven, eight years. Um, so talk about kind of when you, um, those first couple years of taking over link. Cause I think there's some, for those listeners that um, do or don't know, I and mean, there's definitely some different challenges teaching, coaching in the Des Moines public system as there are elsewhere. Absolutely. Um, first year, awesome year. Just so much emotion in that team. I don't know. You guys probably know a milk car. Soriano, I don't know. You you know him. He works uh, with Jaime. So he's still around. Sure. Yeah, great little midfielder, defender. Um, he was my captain, which made things incredibly easy. He also hooked me up with uh, players from AIB, like Jaime, like my assistant Lorenzo, who helped out the program immediately. 
one of the hardest things. You come to a new town, you got to build a staff. Jesus. Yeah. I didn't know where to start. I had no staff. And he, just one of my players, just uh, made the connection that, that got me got me going with. While AIB was going, they were just feeding his coaches. And it was just right, right down the street. It was a really solid relationship for us. And, and that made that season – Coaching a mill car, coaching, I don't know if you remember the name, Chewy Castruita, but he was- I coached Chewy. Love Chewy. What a player. Dude, he's 5'4". So I had this, Seabers, I had this B team. This is, so when Sporting Iowa merged, uh, the A A team, Ozzy got the A team. I I was, we were merging our two teams, so I lost my, all my, my A team players. I coached the B team, which was fine. But then that, and then that second year, I was like- I was still kind of bummed about it. And Chewy comes out of nowhere, and this dude was scoring goals all over the place. Yeah, and that's what he did. And then, oh, Chewy and, and Emil Carr, as much as any of my players, and I had them right away, just embody like the real spirit that I would want our program to have moving forward. Um, just always did what was right, you know. And that's awesome that you coached Chewy. He's an amazing kid to me because. Uh, couldn't really do a ton anywhere else except in the 18. Like, dude, you can't even hold the ball. <laughs> he was incredible. Though. He would score goals yeah. just out of no- nothing, yeah. and he ran the box well. And yeah, it wasn't super technical, but he no, he really cared too. Yeah, just big time, um, and cared in the classroom as well. Both those guys. So those guys made. I immediately just felt like it was a great decision, and that was from the start. Uh, you know, I think I'll go back to. Um, I guess it was probably our second season. But, you know, we started to play really close games against some of the top teams. We'd go to Iowa City and just play these absolute dogfights with City High. They'd always be ranked second, ranked first. They're always undefeated pretty late, things like that. Um, And that's when I started to be like, oh, man, we might actually have something here, you know, like – I would have been fine if what we were doing was just playing for one big upset victory a year, try to get second round of the playoffs, whatever. As long as we're satisfied with our effort, that's fine. Then the talent started rolling in. Um, So we tend to say that it was the arrival of refuge barbed and his brother Kevin that transformed Lincoln soccer. It, it, we were going to be a good team, a good program, technical program. We can move the ball. We play a nice, typically Latino brand of soccer that is not my preferred style. Uh, <laughs> it just isn't. And this is always a thing for us because um, I was much more of a just attack with speed and power on the outsides you know, probably the brand you guys would have played at Valley and Johnson, um, some variation thereof. But Lincoln was playing that way, and it was just too slow. It, it wasn't going to work. It was nice. But then we got these guys, Refuge and Kevin, transferred Pretty direct guys. Kentucky. And I was like, yeah. And so it's it's almost the opposite with, with – or no, Refuge is similar to Chewy in, in some ways. Sort of terrible technically also, but – God, if you got him in space, so yeah, he wrecked the game. Um, their older brother is it Exodus? Yeah. Okay, I've I ran him coaching a few times, and 
played against him on Sundays. Blazing nice fast, too, it's man. Brutal. Blazing fast. I do not like playing against him. Yeah. So Refuge, honestly, changed my whole philosophy towards soccer. It's like, what, what do you do with that, man? Like, nobody wants to get in the way of that. So can I jump in here really quick yeah. and we'll get back? So talk – I just love how um, – I don't know if it's the idea or whatnot, but people have their own style, whether the players can play this style or not. Just, hey, I'm going to coach this or this formation or this these tactics, they're going to be this way, and don't adapt to the players they have. So it sounds like this is a perfect little segue where you've had, you know, you've got a group of players that play a certain way, not the way you want to do it. Um, just talk about how that uh, dynamic kind of changes your coaching style for a year or two years or Probably whatnot. for however many years. Yeah. Now, because, I mean, because you, you had to, like you said, you grew up playing the same exact way we played. I mean, you know, for all intents and purposes, like get a wide, be direct. And yeah. now you've got players that don't want to do that. And are tech, I mean, really good technically. Yeah, I mean, probably better technically or, than you were when you were in high school. And better than I am technically now or at any point. You know, you always have right. a few of those guys. And that's, that's true. Uh, man, it's weird. Um, one thing I do tend to point out to them, like I don't think a fully possession-oriented attack, I, re- I just don't think it works. I do. I, if you examine the the world stage, when has it worked? Uh, under Pep at Barcelona, Spain, two thousand fourteen, and, and Spain. I, I beyond those two teams, I don't know really what you're talking about. Like who? Man City's just horrible to watch now. You know. And the reason they're, they've never won Champions League. Yeah. And then you look at Liverpool and you look at the way that Madrid played with Ronaldo, just absolutely dominant with win the ball, connect two, three times through the middle, and you're, and you're on them. Mathematically, that just makes more sense to me, and it seems to work better in general and overall. But I do think that the most perfect version of the game is a mixture. And that's probably what Brazil plays, right? Is a mixture of incredibly beautiful, but also hyper aggressive. So that would be if I, if I had the, the ingredients for it, I would coach it. I'd say, hey, go play like Brazil. Yeah, like Germany. <laughs> what year was that with Germany played a lot like that? You know, like moved the ball really well, but it was like uh, just decisive and destructive. When it comes down to it, yeah, yeah. decisive, destructive. Yeah, um, we talk a lot about this, don't we, Ben, on the pod? That, yeah just with coaches about how you play and everybody likes to build out of the back and connect 45 passes before they advance up to the final third and whatnot. And they like to say that is the way they play. And we, we like to see people that can vary it up or that at least we're, we're willing to approach it differently. Yeah, you have to, to scenarios. me, you have to adapt to the players you have. Yeah, so that would be my final point is as much as I like to talk about these philosophies and everything, generally at a school like Lincoln or, or the other schools in DMPS, I would say even with our best teams, it's rare that we have the depth to really implement something that, that we know is if we bring guys off the bench, if we have an injury that like this is going to be sustained, it almost always is figured out. (laughs) And, and even that, and that I'm not ashamed of that at all. Um, It's worked as well as it's worked, but um, and we can get into this, you know, there's, it, I will say that in general, it's very hard within a DMPS program or a program comparable to ours to implement much of anything. 
that's terribly detailed because um, very hard to get everybody in one place at one time. It just is. And you feel that within our schools. You feel, um, you feel it at practices. You feel, gee, if, if we only had six more guys here, we could do something awesome. And we have, we certainly have those six on our roster, right. but you also know that five of those six are gone for a real reason. Yeah. Or it's like you want to train set pieces or you want to train yeah. like just like things that are as a coach or a player, you're like, Oh, these are important things, but I mean, you can't have all the pieces there. Yeah. So then you get, you get to Saturday or Sunday or whenever your game is Tuesday yeah. uh, and you make that one change. Now all of a sudden everything you've talked about doesn't even matter. Yeah. That's so it just so changes tough. the way you think. And, and I'm, I tend to just try to be glad to be there. I'm glad that whoever's out there is there. But yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like being a teacher where you know, I don't do this anymore. I've been teaching so long where you have some idea of how the class is going to go, then it starts and you just throw the ideas. <laughs> like, whatever. I just don't even do that anymore as a teacher. I, what do you do now? I've learned, oh, I just don't have any set expectations whatsoever. I take the kids as they are and make the most of it. Uh, and so, I mean, and we're talking because, I mean, some of these kids, because that's what they are, I mean, they've got jobs, yeah, like real jobs, because they've got parents, if parents or grandparents or aunts, uncles, they're um, trying to help with and whatnot. So, I mean, that's, there's real, uh, real life with our challenges. Mini pitch initiative. One thing that we've learned through talking to DMPS is that almost 80% of DMPS students are on reduced or free uh, lunch, which just is mind boggling to me. Um, and so, I mean, you talk about just like all the challenges, you know, if we're talking about nutrition being a big part of soccer now, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, you know, it wasn't a sure. thought. Um, let me just talk about, uh, talk about the program, talk about the challenges. Um, because then, then we want to go to talk about all the good stuff. You know, talk about the, talk about the tough stuff for a minute. Yeah, because I don't, I really don't know if people know the challenges. You know, they, there's the, some people think, oh, yeah, that's tough that like Lincoln maybe doesn't have a great training ground or, yeah, but they play their games at county, but they don't think about how the kids get to county. There's so many things. We're friends with Lisa Grief over, and she, you know, she's the girls coach over at North High, and we've done a couple of sessions with her and helped them a little bit. And there were girls literally like sprinting to like go change and then like get on the bus so they could go to work before they went home to do their homework. And this is at, you know, six 30 at night after training. And those are the ones that after, showed up. To, yeah. yeah. And then it's like the captain of the team. It's like the best player, but yeah. It's so anyway, just talk about that. And I mean, obviously you've got a lot of amazing kids. So yeah, no, and, I, and I'm, uh, you know, I want to be not careful talking about that, but I, I want to be sensitive. Um, don't want to pretend to know how any kids live in, but I've been teaching in very similar schools. School I came from in Colorado is very similar to Lincoln, demographically, economically. Uh, been doing this all for 10, 12 years now. So I feel I can, I can comment. Uh, I'd say our greatest challenges are the million little things that can throw you off. So the things that, that you count on, you know, to begin with your examples first. Um, okay, we practice at Soccer South, two miles west of the school. We play our games 
that county, two miles east of the school. Just getting the boys there each day, a ton of illegal behavior tends to occur. Um, people just piling kids into their cars, kids without licenses driving. And I don't mind saying any, like at this, especially at this point, uh, I don't mind saying any of this because this is what we do to get through a day. I couldn't believe how many kids would drive illegally in my training sessions at 15. I was like, wait, what? How else are they going to get there? And, and, what am, and as a coach, what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah. you know, that's like their lifeline. So yeah. Come play. And that's, and that's real. And I would also add that, like, I think that Lincoln is, you know, I would say that there's other schools in, in our district that face greater challenges than us even, but ours are for sure significant. So begin with logistical, but those things begin to eat at you. You know, if you start to lose a kid uh, in trout, you know, just little things like that, where there are far more variables in a program like Lincoln like East, like North, like Hoover, and like, and like Roosevelt, the number of variables has to be at least tripled, where the considerations uh, of a coach on a daily basis or a player are just far more, like just getting the kids' bodies there, getting them fed, as you mentioned, you know, uh, pregame meals, I was talking to you guys a little bit about that before we started talking. Um, these things that are a given at it would seem at suburban style programs these days uh we tend to i've been really aggressive about just getting food for our teams which is not to say that all of our boys are starving i don't feel that they are and what i would say about all but a couple of our players i guess is they all come from really solid families um more so by far than my general student population, which they, my students overall tend to come from very splintered backgrounds. Uh, but my, my players, at least, it's a lot, come, tend to be totally loved and supported at home. Uh, a lot of this is just a matter of money, just straight up. Um, so they're gonna eat whatever, you know, like you'd imagine. They're just kids. They would eat flaming hot Cheetos before a game. They would drink a brisk <laughs> before a game, right? Uh, and their parents, it's not that they don't care. It's so far from that, but they're not, like that's such a minor concern if you're dealing with a lot of real life stuff that uh, that's one thing we've tried to, to solve for the boys. And we get a ton of community support with that. Also, FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes just feeds us uh, two, three times a season. Just help coming from all over. But again, like, what are we talking about here? Transportation and food. We've not begun to talk about soccer. <laughs> We're not even close to talking about soccer. Not because, even academics either. No. So we can talk academics. Um, well, you should talk about the positive part about the academics. What about them? Didn't you guys make some improvements? Be early stage. Oh, is it right? after that? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no, no, no. You, you, <laughs> yeah, there is. We'll get to the whole thing. Let me lay out <laughs> the challenges first, and then we'll, we'll talk about set last the table. Year's. Set the table. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Attendance is a huge issue. Uh, I'm actually shocked when I hear that people don't know that attendance is a huge issue. 
I think it's an issue nationwide uh, in, a, in across demographics. It's just far more dramatic within um, lower income demographics, but we are in the midst of a bona fide attendance crisis, uh, even before COVID, really a serious issue. And so, and there's a, a million factors going to that. I will not pretend to know why a kid would or, or would not come to school, but I think it's fair to say that it goes back to our previous comments about just general instability, or, or if you have more variables in your life, then it's hard to say that only school, soccer, and church, or whatever it is, matter when you got many, many things to be worrying about. And that's generally the idea for our, our soccer players that have issues with attendance. Some of them are just making bad decisions, like anybody. 16, 15, 16, 17 year old Absolutely. kids do it. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what school they're going to. No, it doesn't. But when those decisions start to happen at a school like Lincoln, I would say that there is a greater probability that they're going to fall into something, like meet somebody else who's in a similar situation and that goes in a certain direction, just based on probabilities. Um, it is, it's a definite issue and it hurts and it, I mean, we always lose guys for the playoffs because Lincoln has its own attendance policy and it's, you know, it's brutal. So attendance is also an issue. Um, what else? Attendance, academics, transportation. Yeah, and then, you, and then what I was saying. I mean, I said grades, sorry to interrupt you, Jack, but grades fall right into that. If they're not going to school, you're not getting right. good grades. Again, that's, I think, across the whole student body. You know, and that's where graduation rates come into play and all that. So. And that affects your eligibility, too. Yeah. So those are the reasons you're losing players. Yeah. And all those things snowball. So the last thing I would comment on is just general uh, issues at home, which are real. Um, and affect everybody, but probably inordinately affect our players for, for various reasons, uh, but definitely affects my students more than my players. I, I would stand by that, but. Uh, would you add in the era of social media, internet, you know, constant screens, would you add that to the, to the equation too as kind of like a negative thing? Well, I don't feel that phones have helped any human. <laughs> that is, that is, I'm pretty firm on that. I, I, well, I guess I'd say social media. I really feel that social media, and I'm not like crazy, like, oh, it's the devil, like old man about it. Uh, for various reasons, I'm really opposed to social media. I've seen, I, I have become a teacher as social media arose, as smartphones entered our world. So I've watched <laughs> like that. Yeah. Kids, kids just change. And they're, the standard then of, we were talking about this recently of like, you know, like fresh kicks, fresh haircut, a new phone or whatever. Like that just becomes like the standard. And, it, and it's all, not all, I mean, but it's a lot of time driven by just like, well, it's what I saw on my phone, man. Like, yeah. Gotta have that fresh bait. I just think that social media makes people people that are all in on it and kids aren't super aware or if they're aware at all. It, uh, my impression is it makes kids less secure, less 
less secure in who they are and you want secure you want to teach you want to raise secure people great but then when are you like most insecure even when there wasn't social media is when you're junior high and high school right so, I mean, so let's go ahead and amplify <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly right? give everybody a platform yeah to, to feel yeah of course but then the other side of that is that it it stimulates egotism also which we've dealt with a little bit or we definitely dealt with in with the you know, I'd say this about them to their face, my 2019 team, which is by far my most talented team, multiple D1 players, stacked roster, stud transfer or exchange student from Switzerland, all these things. And ego, ego probably sank us. I mean, you couldn't have set it up better there, can you, for a segue? Yeah, so talk about how things have gone since uh, 2019 to now. Sure. I mean, not necessarily how they've gone, because we know we're in a pandemic, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just to give everybody a recap, just give, a, give us a quick little rundown. Because um, we went to that Lincoln-Roosevelt 2019 game. That was, was that the shootout? We did go to a shootout with Roosevelt in 2019. On the stadium field at County. But where, we also had one in 2018. I was going to say, 2018 this, is, was the this is where the years are, are getting older. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's, I think you're going back to 2018. Okay, sorry. So anyways, go. Table's yours, Jack. Figure out where you <laughs> want to go with that. <laughs> well, where, where I wanted to take it, because like, I really do want to talk about last year's team and those guys, but, but you can't talk about that without you – know, I, I pulled all those boys in to a team meeting in – Oh, God, man, it makes me sad to think about it. Like, January of 2020? So 11 months ago. Yeah, I pulled him into a team meeting, and we talked about all that our program has accomplished, but we talked about how, at least for me and, and for our key players, that had been through it on that team. We talked about how embarrassed we were and how real that was uh, because our loss to Ankeny in that sub-state final in 2019, that's the game, was, uh, it was embarrassing for, for multiple reasons. And, and, you know, I'm a coach. I, I have to take the blame for that. I absolutely do for um, – the specifics don't really matter, and they're not not crazy specifics. It's just that was not a focused team. It was a team whose personalities never gelled with each other. Uh, it was a team that didn't practice hard, which you talk about red flags, right? It's like we can't expect anything if, if we don't practice hard. Uh, and so we were very embarrassed because that was a huge crowd, which is whatever, but um, – it's a big deal on the South side, man, to get a huge crowd like that uh, on graduation day. Uh, what a man of time if we were able even to just comport ourselves the way that I know we we're capable of. We don't really care about the win. We did not play the way that those boys were capable of playing or act the way that those boys were capable of acting. I don't remember the final score, but I remember it was it was disappointing. I mean, it was like four one final. It was two yeah. one with five minutes left, which yeah. was not shouldn't not accurate. They could it have was, been up. It was two zero and right for a while. Yeah, it was two zero for yeah. most of it. You guys scored one though, and then it was like all right because you guys were that was the big game of the yeah 
brat, whatever you call it, the bracket. The, the bracket yeah. yeah, that was a big. That's why we. I think we made it our that was <laughs> game of the week. Yeah, yeah. yeah was that was a. That was a. <laughs> that was when we had old Charlie Pritchard in the corner chirping at us. Remember? Yeah. Hit that corner. That was hilarious. He's sick, man. I give it Good up player. to him. As Good a player. player, he's the type of direct player we're talking about. He's like knows what he wants and, and goes and gets it. Yep. So, gave him a lot of credit for that. And I don't, man, I don't blame our team for, you know, they're just kids. And uh, there were so many complicated personalities we were trying to bring together in one season. It probably was never going to happen, but uh, but it was embarrassing the way that it went down. We were also not embarrassed, but felt that we had misrepresented ourselves the year before that too. We lost to Ankeny Centennial on a shootout after anyone who was there and all respect to them, we should have won that game six, seven, nothing. Just put it on them and could not score. So in two years, that's what we were known for. And we'd had a really bad loss to Dowling the year before that. That was shocking. And what I will tell you is that behind each of these embarrassing stories there's stories i can't even tell you there's stuff i can't tell you about what what these boys were going through in their lives and things that were affecting our team behind the scenes that i wouldn't blame them for what happened but but it comes back to what we're talking about when your line is so fine that losing in a pk shootout is the difference between going to state or not that's when you go back and you think what little things can i help these kids clean up so that they get to feel a great day, like going to state. Do you think, though, those experiences and those kids from the 18 and 19 team had an impact on the 20 group, 2020 yeah. group, as far as what you guys, the expectations were really high, and those kids on the 18s and 19s, especially the upperclassmen, had an impact on the younger ones to kind of lead them towards the reason why you guys were so optimistic <laughs> last year? Without a doubt. Uh, an experience like what we went through with Ankeny lays you bare. It's like, and I love that about sports. I love how vulnerable sports can make you. It's like, well, here I am. <laughs> you know, this is, this is us, for better or worse. This, this was our team. So now you guys know. Now the whole state knows. And I said that to our boys. Uh, this is who we are, and this is what we have to fix. And... I really felt that our 2020 team took that message, didn't even experience it as words. They just already felt all that. And it was, I felt it was going to be a really special season in 2020. Okay. So you guys have this meeting in January. Everybody's, Hey, this sucks, but we've grown from it. Right. Um, the guys that are gone now, hopefully have impacted the guys that are now the upperclassmen and kind of the better players. So, uh, you know, all, what do you guys do all winter of 2020? January, you have the main January, February, I mean, literally up until, I'm trying, I mean, it's literally, it was within a week of first practice starting that everything got canceled, right? Practice was going to start Monday, whatever that was, and everything got canceled, the, either the Thursday or the Friday. Prior. So yeah, <laughs> within days. So here's what's yep. so crazy. You know, it's, it's not just that it got canceled. Other, other sports are losing seasons, but for all the soccer teams or any spring sport, but especially because the soccer schedule yeah, aligned directly. Yeah. Dude, I, 
have not seen most of these kids. So since, since I said goodbye to them, you know, like I'll see you Monday, uh, I've seen like four or five of them. These are boys I really love, but you know, we were, my wife was pregnant for most of COVID and now we have a newborn. And so I took, a, have taken what have felt like the necessary precautions uh, and all I wanted to do is have them all in my backyard or have them out playing soccer in my street in front of my house. And, and uh, so, you know, we're expecting to get started at Norwalk on Monday. So that's one of the things we do with our lack of facilities is I'll just ask, I'll ask anybody if we can use their fields. Norwalk's been super nice to us over the years. Let us do our, our whole preseason there. So we're ready to go. It just never happened. So who are some of these let's let's talk about some of these guys that were uh, yeah, who are your holdovers yeah. from the nineteen team to the, the twenty team. that are gonna kind of I mean that's a big big deal, right? I mean you guys I mean you talk about those boys. I mean again they're seventeen, eighteen, right? That's how seniors are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well and a lot of like so some guys are gonna maybe play in college. May I don't know, I have no idea uh, you know who your seniors are, but a lot of them, you know, they just missed out on their entire season of, you know, the last season of competitive soccer, which we all know in our own ways, uh, no matter when your last season is, that's a tough one. Yeah, and like you said, you didn't see – I mean, you don't see – I couldn't imagine. You don't see your buddies unless you're – because I remember, remember back in spring break, mid-March, I mean, you're not supposed to be doing – nobody really knew the effects of it, but you weren't right. supposed to be doing anything. You're, every school was closed down. That's when it was scary. Yeah. That's when it was like – Stay inside. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about coming out, talk about some of some of the boys and who they are and whatnot. So this will bring me to, you know, why I'm here in my opinion Uh, and why, you know, I contacted Matt. Uh, I wanted to be here. I wanted to to talk to you guys about really about these specific boys. And I also, of course, want to talk about the ways that kick it forward is where how ready Kick It Forward was to help us and how much they had already helped us through the offseason working with this specific group. But um, I'll speak about them in general first and then draw your attention to a couple specifics. But I'll, I'll tell you that the reason – this is my favorite group of boys, these seniors that I, that I didn't get to coach last year that were the class of 2020. Um, favorite group that's come through on balance. And the – Biggest reason for that is these are just fun boys. Um, not the most academically focused bunch. I'm a, this is about 20 kids. Like we, that's another reason I'm here is like we're in like a rebuild now. And so I'm reflecting back on, on these teams that we've had. Um, yeah, really just a couple out of these 20. It's like terribly motivated academically. Uh, but I would also say really only one or two of them is like, a bum academically also these are just kids man pure kids um and that was going to be our vibe throughout the team going into the season so i told you in 2019 we're kind of there's a lot of ego there's a lot of personality clashes there's a lot of neurotic behavior just weird just a weird team and i felt all that gone uh just being around my 2020 boys 
one of the magical things I've talked to Matt, I've talked to Joe about this, one of the magical things about coaching high school and just high school soccer, high school sports in general is uh, you get players' brothers come through. Um, so I had, and I, and I can start with those two because those are my captains, both had older brothers. So you may have coached Fernando Almada Vargas. I know. I know, Fernando. Or you at least would have seen him. Yep. And I heard he lit it up at a couple of Sporting Iowa sessions. An incredible player. And his uh, little brother, Eric, is uh, my captain. And uh, we call him Big Poppy. <laughs> Big old center back. Uh, it was actually our MVP of our 2019 season, which, you know, we had the Gatorade Player of the Year on that team. And, and, and that was Roderick. And God, I love Roderick. Like, he's the greatest player in the history of Lincoln. And, and, he and Joseph on our after. We'll give it to Roderick. <laughs> uh, so I felt especially bad for Rod having to be on that or having to deal with that 2019 season. Um, but Eric was the one guy in that year who just stood up and just did his job and really just seemed to want it more than anybody in an incredibly mature way. Uh, big poppy. That's part of why we call him Big Poppy. He I just, like that. Um, love this kid, and he's had immense struggles. Um, that you know, I, I won't necessarily speak to the specifics of those, but I do know that he continues to fight on, and he's an incredibly strong kid. Uh, I love his brother to death, and Eric. Going in, you know, knowing that he was that way all the way through 2019, and was going to be a senior. Now he. He could have graduated in 2019. His life circumstances are such that it was important for him to get school done so he could go to work. And he was willing to delay that just to play for us. He just wanted to be the captain, like the actual captain. And I love that. And, I, and that made me uh, want it that much more for him. Was he so he played center back and a big strong boy was super technical because I think I remember we were watching he was doing like Croix yeah he was doing Croix in his defensive in the, his own eighteen and like throughout that uh, Valley game where he was wild that game he did he got into the attack he should have scored in that game and yeah I thought he was brilliant because like I said big strong center back but he was yeah. super technical doing little yeah. tricks inside his own eighteen I was like oh. I love it. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't know if you did it at the time, Jack. But. It's very reminiscent of the young Blake Sievers. Absolutely. <laughs> well, he's a guy that I would give that freedom to because he did it with confidence. Uh, and that's Eric. Very confident. And I just miss, you know, one of the things I love about being a teacher, especially now, is, uh, you know, and I always think about those, the differences between being a club coach and a, and a high school coach, having done both. And, you know what's sweet, guys? You, you, neither of you will probably ever be a high school teacher. But if you are, so sweet, you, just having your players stop by your room. It's an amazing thing. So as they're seniors and they have open periods and stuff, and they can just come hang out, and they choose your room. So you get some it's of your – cool. It's really wonderful. And it's like a, a place where – everything's positive because they know I got to do my job over here and teach these kids and stuff. So they're not going to ruin everything by being terrible in the corner. So I'm, I'm off working with other kids, some junior English students, whatever. And I look up and there's just 
five soccer players and snuck into my room. They're writing up prospective formations on the board. Uh, <laughs> you know, these are the things that you would, uh, that I would tell any prospective high school coach. That's where it's at, man. It, you get out on game nights, whatever, anything could happen. Often the worst is brought out of people in games and stuff like that, you know, but those knowing that you you just have this like home base for the boys to stop by and these boys in particular were incredibly welcome in my room and knew that and were there very often and, and Eric had a super limited schedule he didn't need a lot of school so he'd just come hang out in my room after he got his work done more sad for him to have lost the season than anybody by far and he really deserved it his uh his co-captain, this kid named Jared Dominguez, who had played for sporting back in the day, great little uh, defender. His brother had also played for me. We had that connection for years and years. And Jared, I love completely also. And he was, I can kind of talk about him while talking about some others. He was one of our, of that group who was like waking up to who he could be and what it was to work hard and, and how that meaningful that could be. So between Jared and Eric, I felt that those two were, it was going to be hard for us to fail. And we still may have failed, but it would have felt different. It would have, uh, I would have known that we put it out there, just having those two guys lead us. And I would add, just cause I know he'll hear this. <laughs> Jared's a very bright kid who, I would say has not fully acknowledged that about himself. And this is something you run into in general at a school like Lincoln is uh, under different circumstances, a kid like Jared, you, if you just plug him in at Johnston or Valley, he's absolutely going to college. He just absolutely. He's a good enough player and a damn good writer, a good student, a really funny ass kid, great kid. Uh, but he's not in a, a collegiate program right now and that was his choice he, he really had that option but i'm i'm putting jared on notice right here it's not too late and this is a very bright kid who uh is beginning to figure out what he wants in life and, and that was thrilling i knew that going into the season and i was ready to enjoy watching these boys as i say it's not too late no absolutely i mean it's uh especially given the circumstances there's all sorts of schools that are going different. I mean, adapting to the, to the scenarios that yeah. kids are up to now. And I, I also just want Jared to live his best life. Uh, like that's how much I think of this dude. And, uh, but you know, I'll keep you here all night. If I talk that much about individuals, I feel that way about all these kids. Um, that it's easy for most of these boys to have been on the outside, whatever that means, looking in and say, these are at best just a bunch of goofy ass kids. Uh, at worst, there might be some real issues here. But I never felt that way about any of these kids. I, I so loved like the energy that they had created and were creating with their open gyms, with their honest conversations in team meetings, having been through everything they'd already been through. These were just my favorite group. And 
I can go kid by kid. So I can tell you just quickly, Alexis Argetta, one of the most explosive, incredible attacking players that most people will have never seen. And I hope you I know. We, and he, played, he played with, on varsity for yeah, – we saw him play, right? He, like a, was he a wide player yeah, a so year or two ago? He played against Valley. He typically would only be around for our last seven games or whatever. He but played – He was unbelievable, though. He's unstoppable. I thought that kid was – Yeah. I, I ran across him when I coached the menace. He's a, another kid who – it's not a sob story. He wouldn't want it to be a sob story. He's, he's a smart kid, too. But he's a kid who, if you could change a couple variables in his life, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Coaches would have been salivating over here. Extraordinary player. The big thing, one was the addition of Brian Koss coming back to us. So, he, Brian Koss – you guys know Brian? I've heard this story, but I don't know him. Yeah, incredible player. But he had gone to Dowling after his freshman year at Lincoln. And God, that broke my heart because his sophomore year was when we should have been. Well, that's when we should have gone to state. And if we had him, I'm, I'm fairly certain we would have. But he had come back to Lincoln for his senior year, essentially just to play soccer for us, right? And he would have been our best player. Brian Cost, one of the best players in the state over the last few years. And a lot of people don't know about incredible forward just incredibly crafty knows exactly what he wants and, and how to get it so we were so stoked when he came back and it was whatever he's playing at a juco in kc though brian's too good to not keep playing that was our best player at johnson county right yeah yeah he's fantastic uh pell's brother I said that Shem, came, that Shem, came across. Yeah, Shem, Shem, okay. He's over there too. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, they would have gone down there together. I'm sure. Nice. Yeah. Keep going though, Jack. Let's... No, absolutely. The only the other two seniors I really want to mention are Juan Sandoval and Yazi Zaragoza. Bracket Ben got a big smile for those uh, that are not watching Juanito. on watching on YouTube. Yeah. I know everybody loves Juan. Yeah, Juanito. Uh, so Juan Juan's in the National Guard now been sending us great pictures and there's a whole bunch of these guys that I'll mention later you know National Guard super proud of them so uh he Christian Montesinos uh who else is Preston tried to go in the guard that's a few about that. <laughs> uh Jose Aguirre I think those are the three that are off of the guard but yeah Juan is uh Serving his country and then he's going to go to Iowa State, I believe. That's a super cool program that he got into, right? Like, you know, basically he joins the Guard and then they pay for him to go to school. And uh, cool. he, he made the decision that, that was the smartest thing for him. It'll be a bummer not to see him play somewhere, but I bet you he'll be on that club team at Iowa State. Yeah, you know I, I can tell you. So, first of all, the Guard has been so helpful to us. I really I go looking for help anywhere I can get it and explore options. And they've been massively helpful to us. We were going to have – our preseason like welcome aboard overnight there out or out at uh, Camp Dodge uh, and they've they've just helped us with a ton of stuff logistically over the past couple of years but that no doubt I think that relationship has led to several of our boys uh, going that path and it's setting themselves up for a really solid future and Juan Anybody that knows him, you can't help but smile in his presence. I would say, Juan, that 
usually I get mad at a kid for being that happy. Like, like, you said, like <laughs> I got switch. Like when when I'm in a anything, uh, we've we've seen you competitive. Uh, I'm a lunatic. <laughs> I'm a lunatic. <laughs> I admit that. But Juan's just always smiling. It's like, God, I should be mad at you, dude. Uh, but I've come to realize that is just a special kid. He just is. It's like he's he. I don't want to do anything to change Juan. It's like what I guess I would say. Um, love him so much. Perspective, right? Does he? I mean, in the big scheme of things, if he's smiling and happy, like. And he cares about all like, the right things, and he treats people right, uh, not just because that's what you're supposed to do, too. Like he, he really cares about people. Hilarious, a million stories about Juan. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, you know, I, I don't know his car accident story well enough to tell it. But that was a good one. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, let, let's keep that off. The, let's keep that. Oh no, I can only imagine. So I'm sure it's G. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I actually want to talk about Yazi in a minute because it's going to transition me into talking a little bit about kick and twerk. Um, but there's just a whole bunch of these boys that, that I just want to mention them and then I'll talk about them all together. But all these other kids, so Jose Aguirre, Pancho Davila, Asaliagos, uh, Yogesh Gurung, Manny, Christian, Preston, Adrian, Bluso, Kylan Spence was probably going to play. Alex Gushin and Aaron Lee. These are all kids that were supposed to be a part of our program. And all of them were part of that wonderful energy that we felt we had created as a team. Where I only mention these guys, like I mention them because I love them primarily. And I want them to know that through this. Uh, but also because it was like, I felt like down to like the 30th guy on my team last year or in 2020 they were all going to care deeply about each other and support each other. I felt like we were going to have one of those benches, you know, where you can look at some bench and be like, Oh my God, like look at the energy that bench is pouring out onto the field. Whereas I guarantee you go look at my 2019 benches. Well, that's not a common, I mean, we've all played it. Yeah. It's not common when the bench players are as supportive and as energetic yeah. and as in it for all the right reasons. Cause I mean, every, a lot of bench players, are uh swearing the guy that's playing in front of them and the coach like oh that guy i'm better than that guy yeah so i think that's a huge um that's a massive whatever you've done there to get them to mentally be engaged and realize that i mean to me it's a it's a uh it's a testament. big yeah testament to you to all of us to to the whole program it it i don't know who knows how the season may have turned out but it felt like it it almost felt logical that our program was in that place uh, to finally pull it all together. And who knows really whether that would have happened. But I do want to, you know, I'll tell you this anecdote to tell you what, what made me, I guess, so sure of that. Um, and this would have been at 2019 in the fall, one of our players, a, a JV player, who all the boys loved, and he would have had a shot to play varsity in 2020 also. Uh, but in that fall, I believe, um, his younger brother was killed on, on Southwest 9th Street. He was hit by a car, Southwest 9th, super dangerous street. This was a middle school kid. And 
his passing really rocked a lot of our players because they knew his brother so well and they, they knew this kid. Yaziel, Yazi, Zaragoza, uh, one of my favorite players ever and was a senior little midfielder who honestly up till March 11th, March 13th, whatever it was, he still wasn't sure he was going to play. He was going to play. <laughs> and the reason he wasn't going to play was these are reasons too big to discuss, I, I believe. I'm not, I can't comment on them. But I just felt in my heart he was going to play because we had so much heart on the team. And he was as important to that as possible. Yazi came to me after this kid was killed. He said, we got to do something. And uh, I didn't know what, the hell, what to do. And so we just started selling chocolate. <laughs> you get these boxes of chocolate that you drive down to Norwalk and go to a warehouse and they load you up and you sell them for a dollar. And uh, I just started giving entire cases of chocolates to kids I didn't even know. And Yazi ran this whole thing. It would not have happened without Yazi. To be clear, Yazi and his sister. Um, Yazi would go tell kids, just go get a box, sell them, give us some money. Kids I didn't even know. I'm handing them essentially like 60 bucks, right? They could go sell this 60 bucks. It's all yours. Kids I didn't even know, I never wrote their names down, would take these boxes and very often come back with more than 60 bucks. They did this over and over and over again. And we raised, I don't know, we raised at least like six grand to help help pay for the funeral, which I don't even know how far that went. I wish it could have been more, but I've never experienced anything like that. I've never seen kids get that active and just trying to change something. That happened way at the start of the school year. And that was when I, I could, I really had such a strong sense about this team that, that like I said at the start, even if we didn't make state or whatever, I wasn't going to feel sick about this team. I wasn't going to be disappointed. I was sure as hell was not going to be embarrassed by this group. That's who they were. And if I had time, I'd go through all the boys whose names I raced through. But for now, I would just say that like each of those boys uh, represented that, that heart. And like, there was no front to them. There's nothing to any of these boys that was sort of protecting. They didn't want to protect themselves. They just wanted to be part of the team and, and really see, see what happened. And that's what made me, you know, for every reason I'm sad to have lost the season, but man, talk about a team that deserved it. Boys that deserved to be with each other uh, in a program that seemed to be on the brink of, of making a breakthrough, which I want to be clear, it's like us making state of itself doesn't mean anything, but I it's do just like one more win. Yeah, but I do think it's important to plant that flag. Like I want to do that for, I mean, for our program and for all the boys who come through this program for Jaime and for Joe or anybody who's seen where it was, but especially for people who know uh, that we got to work a little harder. We just do. We just, we got to work a little harder in DMPS schools and 
schools like us, uh, Marshalltown, really proud of Marshalltown and what they accomplished in 2019. Um, They're a good little program. Oh my God. They were really they good. They are a good little program, but that year they had a good little squad. They were, they were scary. I just think though, that's, that talks a lot about, I mean, you can talk, I mean, you should talk at the highest level today. They play champions league, right. And some of the best teams that are quote on paper didn't get the result they wanted. And, but there's so much more than actually tactics on the field when you build a team. And I, I mean, it's, to me, that's what, that's, uh, that's what soccer does for kids and families and people in general. Yeah. I think that's the difference between that club and high school, that dynamic that changes is there's just this little different level of buy-in to the, the high school thing. I don't know that I understood it when I was that age. Um, but my I college experience, at that age, I don't know that I would have sure. been able to verbalize it. soccer, though, you don't have much off the field sure. I'm saying I don't know that I would have been able to verbalize that age because I was 17 and I was dumb, dumber uh, than I am now. And then in, in college, you see, it, it was, because I had a good experience, it, it was crystallized like kind of sure. like, mm, sure. that was actually pretty great. Yeah, man, and uh, the idea of playing for your community is priceless. Um, the idea of, uh, that boys who grew up going to the same elementary schools are are now out on, on a pretty awesome stage together. Those things, high school sports, definitely inefficient. <laughs> definitely inefficient, but who cares, right? Who cares about efficiency? And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm probably not completely done talking about these boys, but um, I do want to talk about Kick It Forward and then, you know, talk about those things together to try to wrap this up ultimately. But I'm, I'm having a good time. Make this a two-parter. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I just think, so I'll jump in really quick, Jack, to hope. Hopefully I sure. segue there. So, I mean, we helped, I think, and hopefully um, provide some resources and whatnot over the winter with this group and not necessarily just because it was this group, but um, we've kind of built a good relationship, I yes. think, over the last few years. And, well, and that probably also stems from our, our boy, Joe Stonrath. Absolutely. Lincoln grad, second best player in <laughs> rail splitter history. Uh, also, Drake Lum and basically why, you know, Blake and Matt and, you know, the old Titan tactician and Joe, what do we call Joe? Southside schemer? Southside schemer. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Joe, I mean, you know, if, if Joe hadn't gone to Lincoln, I don't know that we'd have the relationship with sure. you guys. And that's not uh, negative. That's just more, more testament to Joe and his passion for the rails and uh, obviously want to support you guys. Absolutely. Oh yeah, so I know this was the segue I was looking for. Good job, Blake. Yeah. Kinda, it took a little got. while, but I finally <laughs> kind of got there. Not fully though. Well, uh, where I wanted to start with you guys actually, um, YouTube to thank the both of you. Um, anything? So we're talking about the inefficiency of high school sports, right? Um, you're not doing it because it's efficient. You're not contributing to it because it's efficient because you put x into it you're for sure going to get y that's just not how kids work period it's definitely not how public schools work and it's not <laughs> it's not how high school sports public work. anything <laughs> yeah absolutely so um 
when you guys started covering games, you start in, in this podcast and, and all that, that Matt has done, I was like, what are they doing? This is not efficient, <laughs> this is, <laughs> which I love, which I just love. But there's no direct. That makes two of us. <laughs> Check. <laughs> you know, like you cannot say directly that for you guys to come watch us play North for your, you know, whatever. A, a given night. Darby, Darby match. <laughs> <laughs> the Darby with North yeah. to open the season. No, nah, there's no way you could like logically just argue that this will directly lead to uh, – all the changes that I know that Kick It Forward really cares about, that the real changes that, that Kick It Forward wants to see. Um, and I love that about Kick It Forward. I love, to me, and I, I saw it pretty quickly, I think. I was like, man, this is perfect. This is perfect. Don't just go start telling people how great high school sports is. Just start covering it and let them figure it out. Um, and don't, you know, don't get up on, on soapboxes telling people these kids have so much better than these kids and here's why. Just get in there and work with the kids and, and start to actually understand the situation. And that's, I mean, that is my general impression of Kick It Forward. Many pitches are, are similar, right? We're not going to see the, you know, because for whatever, 10, 20 years, uh, Federation types have been talking about, well, you got to address the grassroots level, right? Well, you know, when you're talking grassroots, you're not looking at seeing the results for 10, 20 years or so. So I love that, you know, there's no direct reason to build these mini pitches, except give kids fun. If it's not, if nothing beyond that ever happens, if we don't start producing maestros, number tens, you know, <laughs> left and right, who cares? That's that development for development's sake, though. Yes. We're not, that's, uh, that's not the point. It's just, you know, they'll figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the number of kids that come to our clinics, free clinics, that have never played soccer, it's, it's awesome. Like, love you them. know they're not going to, and that's I love, okay. I love when kids show up in the cleats on the, on the cement. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm just here to play. That's yeah, like, that's perfect. We'll know. figure out a solution to the problem. Like, and yeah. So I did. I, I wanted to like formally take this chance to to, to thank Matt, above all Joe. Like you guys said it. Just don't think the connection connection probably would have formed over time, but probably wouldn't have happened as quickly. And uh, and definitely you guys and anybody that that helps kick it forward at all because I really it's it's just kind of what I believe in <laughs> to put it. Uh, as frankly as possible. Like, I, I just don't believe, in, especially with kids, I, I don't believe in just trying to fix problems for them because another one will just pop up. These are the sorts of things that I think start to make systemic change, which is anything, which is the, the real thing that like, uh, at like the district level of any school system, they're really talking about how do we, how do we change these systems? To, to benefit way more people. And I really firmly think that Kick It Forward is like five years ahead on doing that. We'll well, we hope that. so, yeah. but like, I mean, <laughs> like, it's not gonna happen overnight, right? At the district yeah. level and like, there's bigger problems out there and like, you just hope over time, little by little, I mean, ultimately kids and our youth just improve and become better people and 
just give them more opportunities than they normally would get. Yeah. And this should be the goal with, with all kids, regardless of background. Uh, you know, so what you got a little boy, little girl. Are we, are we wrapping this up now or I do? No, no. Uh, yeah. So I got a let's six. Talk about you. Yeah, let's talk I got about a, you a six, a six and a four year old. Okay. Um, and I mean, we talked a little bit about the virtual school now, right? We're privileged enough to be able to deal with it. My wife works out of her house now. I'm able to get home during sure. the days and uh, be at first grade and pre pre K basically. So I got a kindergartner and then a three month old, but I only mention it because I do know that, or I do feel that my, my perspective on everything we're talking about is deepened just as you start to watch a kid develop day by day and, and you, especially within COVID, it's drawn into such like sharp relief that just how important it is for me to just give my daughter a little joy. Uh, it's usually free. It's usually outside. And soccer obviously can do that. And, and to tie it back to our, our big point, um, it is my impression, and I love this, like your, the, the slogan now, what is it, a positive disruptor. disruptor. That's wonderful, man. That's the, the philosophy of that is just, is just perfect. Um, kick it forward is not trying to save the world. And if it is, it's, it's being real quiet about it because this organization, in my impression, seems to understand that to change the world, you can't try to change the world. You, you try to give, in particular, as many young people positive experiences as possible. And it, soccer's a great way to do that. Soccer's probably the best way to do that in DMPS schools because of our demographics. So you're a writer, right? I love to write. Does that make you a bit of an artist? Sure. So I just think that's, that, that, I mean, I, I, to me, I think that's a little bit about like the sort of the stuff that we're doing, the nonprofit stuff, this, the stuff that we're doing for these, these kids. We're just doing the stuff uh, just to create something. And well, it's a unifier. Well, yeah, right? but, you, but you just do it. You don't know. Attract you, them. You're going to go write something. You, you just have to write. You're not, you're not supposed to go write the best thing in the world every time yeah. you write. Just go keep writing. So like we're just going to keep trying to do a little something and then hopefully something will turn up. Yeah. And like the mini pitch, I think is a great example of that. Absolutely. We got lucky on that one. Well, yeah, but even if you give, just give, give, give kids an opportunity. So instead of on a Friday night, they go and do who knows what up to silliness. Maybe they go play for an hour. And then that gives them some silliness. But that gives them, that get, that, like, that's an hour that they didn't do anything they shouldn't have been doing. And you hope over time it just builds and builds and builds. And Yeah. And that's, you know, to talk a, a little more specifically about like things we were doing with Matt and with Kick It Forward in general in 2020, 2019, 2020. In particular, we were focused on attendance. Uh, and so I've told you there's an attendance crisis for sure. It was, it was awesome to get Matt and Joe in some actual meetings with some administrators uh, so they understood, A, how real this problem is, but B, how... It is not fixable, but there are remedies that, that can be made. And if you can work on the margins of kids' lives, you can start to see 
real change taking place. And I do think that it's like recreation, it's, it's like moments of joy that actually do affect those margins inordinately and, and give the hope would be, and, and it's probably most of our experiences, that some of those experiences feel more important than others and latch on to them and, and, they, and they do. So I can tell you that like me, when I'm going through my struggles sophomore year, I got cut from my college soccer team my sophomore year because I was such a, I just said, let go completely. Didn't care about anything. Uh, what brought me back to life was soccer, absolutely. And it could have been another sport, you know, basketball played a part in that too. But I realized something's missing here. And uh, I gotta, I gotta try, to, try to find it again. And once I started playing again and started playing hoops again, it did not dawn on me immediately. Oh my God, life's worth living, <laughs> whatever. But bit by bit, bit by bit, as I commit to just, you know, I'm just going to play. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that when I was 17, that made me happy and it might make me happy again. To actually go in on an organization with that like mentality has been, it's been really moving for me to watch um, in part because hell I'm, I'm in, I was embarrassed about her attendance numbers. It was, it was a lot for me to just be like, yeah, man, look at this, Matt, like these kids, this, this is where we're at. And, and, but they, they just never flip. They're just like, well, well, what can we do? Let's try some stuff. And, you know, I told, you know, I'd worked in the nonprofit world and working in public schools where the budget's never enough um, to, to work with an organization where you felt like, you didn't have to put up any front for them and be like, oh, we're doing all these great things and look how much they smile. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> uh, I didn't do any of that. I let the boys be totally real because that's how Matt was with them. That's how Joe was with them. And, and it, I guess one of the biggest things that Kick It Forward has nailed in my impression is it's never felt like some force was coming from outside to save us. We don't want to be saved. These kids don't need to be saved. They need a little bit of help. Um, and we, you know, we try to keep a global perspective too. Globally, for the most part, all my boys are doing really well compared to those who are truly struggling globally. So, you know, I mean that. We, we don't want to be saved, but a little bit of help. A little boost. Goes, I would say, a super long way potentially and and you know if the, if i have like a final remark it would be that, at least on this point that life has sucked for the last eight nine months it really has and, and it's not just because of covid you know it's been a lot going on and people there's been a lot of bitterness a lot of uh, outright anger a lot of ugly behavior and I do just wonder if, you know, 5% of those people, those people, whatever the hell that means, you know, Disgruntled. anyone who let, who's let themselves become angry, generally angry, or agree. It's got to be more than 5%. Oh, no, no. I'm saying if you took 5% of the angry people and they just devoted 5% of their energy just to help the kids, yeah. you would start to see actual changes. And it wouldn't be like, oh, you go outside the next day and it's everybody's just hugging and stuff 
But the one thing that at 37, like I'm just all in on this philosophy. It's like when in doubt, just help some kids. It's fun. It's fun for you. It's fun for them. And it's like an experience that, I don't know, Blake, watching your kids, man. Yeah, that's, and they're the future. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can, yeah, like, duh. we can help our grandparents <laughs> or our parents. Like, there are, I mean, most of them, when you're 60 plus, you're set in your ways. Yeah. These kids, a lot of them, like, let's help them out and open their eyes. And and you can almost do it selfishly was my final point. Like, I have a blast working with kids. I have a blast. This is clear <laughs> that, like, I'm getting paid to do this. This is my job. But man, uh, what a job. That's fun. These relationships. Well, I got one last one for you. Sure. Ben, do you have anything else? Wow. I'm There's only one word. You can only respond though in one word. Okay. Well, let me, before you. All right, this, go ahead. Yeah, here you go. There's one thing I failed to mention. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, in my bio, I didn't mention that I met my wife at Lincoln High School, and she, she's what? also a teacher. Oh, well, we talked about we no, we, we talked about this off camera. You were great ranting thing. and raving about her, how great she is, <laughs> <her> best mother, <laughs> best wife ever. So, like, we don't want to mention where you met her. Though. Yeah. Uh, well, she, I mean, she didn't fit directly into the <laughs> soccer narrative. She's eight like goalkeeper. <laughs> well, I was wondering about. I actually was wondering about because I was like, hold on a minute, he went. He came back. I was just she, so she was teaching there as well. Yeah, she came a couple of years after me, and she's a Spanish teacher at Lincoln. She's she's from Ames, and so she's like definitely really the reason that it's like you know I'm gonna live here for. A but while. you stayed here. I still want to move back to Colorado. Whenever in my fifties or something. Have you told her that? Oh yeah. She's, okay. She's Breaking who, news. Who doesn't want to go retire? <laughs> uh. Yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I met her and, and we just started a family. It's been incredible and, and she's a great team mom. And so I, I really wouldn't want to not mention Mandy though, because she's sleeping like 90 minutes a night right now with the newborn and she's just looking for a reason to hit me. So Well, full disclosure, I remember we talked way back in the spring, we had our little high school podcast yep. round table and you were like, Hey guys, I like. I can't be. We got a hard stop. Yeah, like, you, I mean that's <laughs> testament to you again. Like that's you've done well there. No, thank you. No, I, I love being a dad. I, that is more than anything. It's calmed me down. <laughs> <laughs> it really has. Um, yeah, I do want to just tell these boys how much I love them. Ultimately, and then you can ask your one word question um, so how much do you love them <laughs> <laughs> i just miss them terribly i i do uh, i miss the worst isn't it like friends this is making me all emotional because i'm listening to you like talk about all your players and i miss all my players so much yeah it's so real and and i'll tell you what ben what is extraordinary about it you feel it with students too to an extent but uh to the magic does go away to an extent it just does. Like once you're not their coach, you know what I mean? Sure. And they're not playing for you. Or once you're not their teacher anymore, like I'm getting so close to my students, but then very few of them are permitted to ever contact me <laughs> beyond school whatsoever. And not because I don't want them, but it's just like, so there's some kind of magic goes away. And usually you are permitted to 
feel that magic as it happens and then start to realize that in two weeks and three whatever it will be gone so let's start to prepare ourselves for that let's really enjoy this whatever we need to do and uh yeah we're denied that in 2020 which means that millions of people have been denied that uh, and we're not even we can't begin to make sense of it yet but i know the sense i can make of it is that's my favorite group of boys ever love them to death would do anything for any of them and uh yeah one of the like tragedies of my life that that they didn't get to play well we're feeling for you for sure and uh, you know i think uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't just like give a shout out to like all the high school seniors. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, that's a tough deal. Uh, I think this is where we let Seabreeze drop. Well, his, no, I was just saying like there were, hammer. there were many, uh, I don't think a lot of people know, maybe they do, but there were a lot of efforts made to yeah. do some sort of farewell for a lot of different seniors do, uh, in different ways, but there's just no good way to all do the high it. schools. Yeah. I mean, there were many high school programs trying to figure out different mm -hmm. solutions to do one last thing and kept getting pushed back and pushed back and mm -hmm. things got worse and worse. So, um, this is that this straight up is that for me yeah. because I, I, uh, you know, I was watching like the teams do a little Twitter things for each player, stuff like that. And I just didn't have the energy for it. I was too sad at that time, honestly. It was whatever, May. I was properly depressed at that point. And too sad to sit there and just make little images, whatever. And also probably just not my style. This is my style right here. And uh, I'm thankful you guys for, like that's the reason I'm here is, is to uh, say goodbye to those guys. Yeah, well, you've honored them well, I think. Yeah, I tried. I think so as well. No, seriously. So you can't, you can, yeah, I mean, what do they say? A thousand, you can't describe, there's well, something like a thousand good. words or yeah. something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's some kind of, there's some kind of thing. Blake's eloquence is very yeah. rarely mad. You guys are the English boys, so I'm sure you'll correct me there, but, but no. Well, so drop this, what's, I, I think I know what the, <laughs> I think I know what the question is. But I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you ask it. Oh yeah, you definitely don't know. Okay. Uh, the best soccer player you have ever played with is. You're right. I definitely know. <laughs> so like on my team, played with. So played on the same field as. Yeah. Take it for. I guess I'd probably say I've just played with. There are just a couple. MLS guys it's, one, it's a one word answer. Jack Hammer. Uh, maybe two. Like first name. Well, last I mean, name. first name. We'll know him by the first name. Maybe. Or last name. I mean, what if I said Jeff? Like, well, you would know, but that's not fair. Okay, this will be this will be a one word response, but I do have to qualify it before I say the <laughs> one word. Because this is uh this is the this is a dude who uh embodied he and I have the same philosophy as players and he's my best friend and he lives in Detroit and he's having a very rough time lately uh, but there's a kid who led the nation in scoring as a high school senior in Detroit um, just an absolute animal um, but one of the most uh, fun players to watch on breakaways watching truck people with his big thighs uh, <laughs> and just an incredibly efficient player. So I don't have like a, 
a great answer for you as far as having played with some genius, some famous genius, but Zen. Wouldn't that you have to give us yeah, the last his name? name? His name is Nick Zen. Nick Zen. Nice. And uh, you'll hear this too. And he's one of the people I credit with keeping me keeping me in it when I wasn't in it. Got me back into the game when I was 19. Got to have those guys. Alone to death. To death. Well, shit. <laughs> Got me all so emotional, Jack. I always do this. Yeah. This is my effect. <laughs> I love it. Now I'm going to want to coach again. I was thought I was out of it. Man, think about the it's smell. like rope you pull me back in. I've been running you... into smells, like smelling fields, you know, uh, just smelling grass. Oh, God. I yeah. smell my soccer shoes. I'm like, mm. it's real, man. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, they smell awful. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, you know, I don't think there's a, there's a, no question about your passion for the game, your passion for your teams. Uh, what a, a tough year to go through. But, I, I mean, I, I think the future has to be bright for Lincoln soccer, especially if you're sticking around. Um, I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, I'll be around. I, I'm graduating to a phase of looking at it as just like what I do. Now. Um, and I want to be there for successive generations see where what happens and then and then i'm going home and i'm going hiking <laughs> i love it honestly i think it's super cool and uh it's been a pleasure chatting with you fellas i meant everything i said uh, tonight like it's real it's felt so i thank you thanks jack for all of us yeah, thanks jack all right guys All right, Siebs, that was fun. Maybe a little emotional, or at least for me. Emo it was awesome. It was. It was. It for was me. awesome. It was. Yeah. I just, you know, same thing. I think it was super cool um, to to talk to Jack and hear his story about his, you know, him, him, but then also his boys. Obviously, that was the reason we were here. Absolutely, and hopefully, um, hopefully, his boys will will appreciate. I um, mean, the boy wears his heart on a on his sleeve, and. Um, passionate, emotional, dedicated. Yeah, all you the can things. keep going, right? Yeah, all the things. What a great guy. Um, what a what a great conversation. Um, so if you're uh, if you've been enjoying, actually, I, I spoke to uh, Bob Mutterson and he watched the whole Kennedy interview and really enjoyed it. So if you happen to be watching on YouTube right now, um, you will notice that we're in a little bit of a different room. Switcheroo. Yeah, the old switcheroo. Uh, it's a little, it, this is, uh, if you've ever watched the old Men and Blazers podcast, it's kind of like their panic room today. Normally we have kind of an expansive studio and today we're in the closet, aren't we? We are. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, again, we're in a hassle Jack because he didn't bring us anything. That's but true. a lot of the stuff back here behind us is uh, our jerseys, scarves. We have a first year too. We have signed shorts. Yeah, shorts. No, like, yeah, signed shorts. Who, I mean, that's great. But. I mean, it's Katie Naughton from the Houston Dash. But, no big deal. Um, yeah, no, you're right. No big deal. Just a pro player. <laughs> Just a pro player. Uh, anyway, so yeah, if you've been enjoying that, uh, the YouTube stuff, let us know. Um, if you'd like the new website, let us know. Uh, join the Sporters Club. Uh, we're going to be uh, sending out our swag bags here pretty soon. And, uh, 
kind of calling that that good here soon. So better get on it. Uh, and the swag bags are sweet. Yeah, I mean, we have a, I think we have a person in our audience tonight. We do. That is a supporter. We do. Um, Shout out to Colin, the one of the receivers. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the second one just left. <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, do you want to hit us with some social media, Steve's? Absolutely. So follow us on Facebook at KIF Soccer. Follow us on Instagram at KIF Soccer. And then on Twitter at KIF underscore soccer. So close. I know we're working on it. Um, but like you mentioned earlier, Ben, the website, www.kiffsoccer.com. Supporters Club is on there. Uh, YouTube, search Kick It Forward. Yeah, right on. You're getting good at this, Siebs. What is this, episode 80, though? So maybe 81? It's got to be up there, yeah. Oh, my. All right. Well, uh, means in 2021, we're going to hit episode 100. Stay tuned. Mm -hmm.